Monday evening to Campus Sports 2.0. I am Alan Moore, one of six co-hosts on the show this evening. We are going right around the world from Africa, North America, out to Siberia, across to, well, let's just say the third world in Dublin, and of course staying in Moscow with double N. Right, we're going to start off right away in North America with Alex B because he has some NBA. Well, let's get let's get right into the NBA first and foremost. So the playoffs are here. So the bracket currently it looks like this. So the Bucks against the Magic, the Heat against the Pacers, the Celtics against the Sixers, the Raptors against the Nets in the East, and the West it's the Lakers against Port against the winner. I, I think it's going to be yeah Portland Trailblazers, the Thunder against the Rockets, the Nuggets against the Jazz, and the Clippers against the Mavericks. I'd say some of the biggest games here are the Raptors and the Nets, obviously, because, um, you know, we'll see what the Nets have to offer against the Raptors because, you know, two of their, of, of their three stars are gone, so I don't know how they're going to do anything. But it'll be an interesting matchup. Wow. So the Lakers against Portland, uh, I think that's one of the most interesting um, series in the West because Portland is doing very well in the bubble but they don't really have the star power of the Lakers, and the Lakers have kind of been underperforming. Uh, then the Clippers against the Mavericks is also an interesting season. Yeah, I, don't, I think the Clippers will win, but I think it's going you know, to be very close. In the East, the Heat-Pacers, this is kind of the weird matchup that you don't really see because the Heat and the Pacers, they have two guys that absolutely hate each other, and Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren, and they – happen to be the stars of their team so it's going to be an interesting it's going to be a very fun fun okay. series again the heat against the pacers and the blazers against the lakers uh, this saturday ufc ufc 252 happened um so yeah that was probably like it when it didn't go as it, it wasn't as big as the ufc would probably hope for it to be but you know, I had one of the biggest fights, which was the trilogy fight between Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. So this was their third fight uh, for the heavyweight championship. So the first fight, DC won after that Stipe won, and this was sort of Stipe Miocic then win. And right as we thought, Cleveland would not taste victory again after LeBron James left. Um, Stipe Miocic brought it back to Cleveland, and now the gold is, you know, in Ohio. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, the winner of that fight was supposed to become the greatest heavyweight mixed martial arts fighter of all time. There's, you know, there's a lot of people say, including Dana White, that say that's the case. So yes, Stipe Miocic is definitely in that in that conversation with Fyodor Emelianenko. Obviously, none of that compares to the news that I'm about to hit you with because just earlier today, you know, the something happened that just took the world by storm which was of course the fact that the cfl had to shut down for the 2020 season <laughs> obviously half the fan base in alan moore lives in moscow so it's kind of difficult <laughs> but um <laughs> i am a fan but, yeah so fan. They, they applied they uh they tried to apply for uh for a 30 million dollar benefit but as it turned out even if they had received the benefit they would still take huge losses but uh, they were denied the benefits, so they just decided to shut it down. 
Okay, good old but CFL. That being said, that being said, they will be back next year because this is actually the first time the CFL has shut down for an entire season yep. since 1919, I believe. So through World War One and World War Two, they played on, but this this is where they draw the line. Fair enough. Okay, Alex, thanks for that. Um, okay, we're going to move to Isolt. Isolt. So I have more good news on the front of boxing after another weekend where we had a huge amount of Irish interest um, on show. So the first of the weekend was a guy called Eric Donovan who fought on the matchroom card on Friday night in Eddie's back garden. And unfortunately, while he wasn't successful, it was a really excellent fight until the seventh round. Now, when I say that, you go, okay, that's not really a great fight overall. But Eric Donovan was fighting up a weight class. You know, he was at a disadvantage to begin with. And part of that was obviously because he was fighting a prospect who Matchroom have recently signed. So up until he was rocked in the seventh round, he was actually winning on the cards. So he kicked off Friday night. The main event was actually a bit of a damp squib. And for once, Frank Warren came out on top with his Saturday night worth of boxing, which although it didn't have any huge fights, it had a huge lot of a huge amount of big names. So we saw Carl Frampton top the bill and he disposed of his opponent in what is being viewed as a tune-up fight due to the fact that his last fight, he had to have an operation after it. So obviously... He wanted to make sure his hands, which he had been operated on, were in good working order. And his potential fight of the summer was ruled out due to uh, corona. And then we had Mick Conlon, who is most famously known probably in Russia for the Nikitin incident, where he decided to give two fingers, literally, to Aiba and the IOC while in the ring at the end of an Olympic bout. Maybe not his finest move, but he disposed of his opponent in 10 rounds on Saturday night after getting two points deducted earlier in the fight. Actually, he had three deducted, I think. He um, qualified for he low did. blows, what I saw. Like, I mean, it was intense. They, oh, they were very low. Very low. What, what made it even more enjoyable was his opponent, for some reason, decided to wear very, very sparkly shorts. So you could not have missed these shorts. Like, they were bright Mardi Gras come see me shorts. Yeah. But when we got over all of that, uh, we then moved on to the return of another hard-hitting sport with rugby in the UK at the weekend, which it wasn't the big event people expected it to be in terms of spectacle with games. There seemed to be a lot of discord between the various teams. One team had half their team kneeling, the other half standing in response to Black Lives Matters. And I think... They missed an opportunity for rugby to come back with a bang, except for those who are really desperate to see it back. But one interesting thing did come in the last 24 hours, and that was Dylan Hartley, the former captain of the English team, basically has described himself and his generation as being treated like the guinea pigs or crash test dummies, as he put it, for the generation that started fully in professionalism. And he described things as being almost unable to walk up and down the stairs, which echoes some former Irish, um, there was an Irish rugby player, Ferris, who was retired, and he said that he was getting to a stage where he couldn't walk up and down his own stairs. And I think it may be a timely reminder for rugby that as they're coming back and looking to get more games played in a shorter period of time, you can't treat players like that. Yeah, I think I've, you know, we also know the former Irish national Mike Ross and the problems he suffered. I mean, physically, 
it's grueling mentally, the amount of mental problems, because again, the issues that have not been addressed that were brought up, for example, on this show by Paul Kimmage, you know, with painkillers, the abuse of painkillers, and the kind of, ha-ha, just get back out in the field. It's bad enough for football, it's bad enough for cycling, but by Jesus, it's terrible for rugby because, yeah, it's like American football or CFL even. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that, Iselt. Um, I was going to ask you with the uh, Bright House fight, but we'll wait. We're going to speak about Podvietkin a little bit later on. Double N, you have a central sound of course, and something else a little bit tasty. So, go ahead. It's a crucial moment for all Central Asians. While some countries uh, start to close their tournaments, like in Turkmenistan, all the tournaments from today, they are shut down, like on all levels. But we have uh, Kazakhstan League to resume on Tuesday. So we have some uh, uh, clubs that are on leaders who are, for example, Kairat with nine points. They, they'll play some uh, underdogs, uh, Kaspi, uh, who has zero points so far, who's at the bottom of the table. So, um, I we expect, of course, Kairat to crush their opponents, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Like a draw will be a fair, good result for Caspi. Just a week ago, um, Merv from uh, Turkmenistan they crushed four nil energetic the other team. Like it was a local derby, a Mari derby in Turkmenistan. They crushed them four nil. Uh, talking about Kyrgyzstan, they had some action last week, so it was like super classic of Kyrgyzstan, where uh, two, two very famous uh, clubs, which is Dardoi, they, they won. They won Abdishata. So they also, like, it was a very interesting match. And it also ended with a, with a high score. Like, on the line of crashing, I was about to tell you about uh, Tajikistan League, where we have uh, Istiklal uh, going against Hujan. They also crashed them 4-0. Like, in the most recent match. And so far, they are the leaders in the table. Yeah, we will see how it goes from that. Like, the, the matches are going, like, as, as usual for them. Uh, other things I wanted to talk about, like, we know uh, chess number one in the world, Carl Magnus Carlsen. They, he has a tournament right now. At the same time with the first ever FIDE Olympiad, which is also being held right now. So Magnus Carlsen lost, like, already two match days as you say to other like i think he's right now he's number two or about to become number one in the world so mm -hmm. it's like it's a huge huge uh event in chess world so we'll see how it goes but it's continuous it's Dublin, just a question on uh turkmenistan turkmenistan league is closing down because of coronavirus now officially it's because of dust some kind of dust so people have to wear some masks and oh. apparently dust weather doesn't help football as well. So, yeah, I think that's the reason. All right. So, dust. Okay. That's fair enough. Um, okay. Was Merv, if I'm right, if I'm right, that was where Alexander the Great, he had a city there, didn't he? In Merv. Yeah. It's an ancient city. It's actually my home city. So, okay. yeah. Sorry, there are some world heritage sites there. Thank you for that. Andrew Thank Flint, you. over to you. You've got a Russian football roundup and uh, some interesting happenings in the Septic Isle. Septic. Uh, yes, indeed. Septic Isle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start with the good news, which is Russian football. 
<laughs> the good right. news is seeing Alan like that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, Russian football. We we've had two games back and already in August, and only three teams are unbeaten. Unsurprisingly, Zenit Saint Petersburg, of course. Um, Dejan Lovren scored his first goal since joining the club. A very very good header, actually. To be fair, when Zenit were down to ten men, um, they're top of the table. Um, TSK Moscow are also one of those three teams to have won both their games, and they meet. On Wednesday, we have a midweek round of games coming up. Uh, in fact, we'll have six games already played by the end of August before the international break. Lokomotiva also one of those unbeaten teams. Marco Nikolic still unbeaten in 10 games since he took over from Yuri Somin. Um, some interesting transfers, actually. I'll just mention very briefly. Nikola Moro, very highly rated Croatian midfielder from Dinamo Zagreb, has joined Dinamo Moscow. And Francois Camano. Um, ex-Bordeaux striker has joined Locomotive Moscow, which is, I think, a very necessary signing. Um, Edo is injured. Fyodor Smolov is Fyodor Smolov, um, if he plays well. <laughs> As you've described him before, Alan, I believe a flat-track bully, which is yep. not entirely unjustified. But some interesting signings being made in the Russian Premier League. And so Far- that's Far- where Far- we are. As well. Jefferson Farafan, the Peruvian international, gone as well from Loco. Well, yeah, exactly. So, you know, Loco are in a sort of transition and there's still a lot of Italian clubs AC Milan Napoli have been sniffing around Alexei Midanchuk and I honestly don't see the guy staying in Russian football for very long um, he's just been absolutely fantastic in, in recent 12 goals last season two this season already in two games so uh, locomotive strengthening um, in advance of a possible departure for him in England uh, I don't know really if anything really goes right in England uh, over the last few years, to be honest with you. Newcastle United, they've permanently been looking for um, a new owner. Mike Ashley, the much-loved Northeast club's owner, <laughs> has been looking for... <laughs> Esau, you think I'm not serious in this show? Um, the public investment fund, the Saudi, well, 80% backed Saudi Arabian fund, that bid of £350 million was... Well, in the end, it's... Uh, well, should we say it was rejected under... Um, huge amounts of broadcasting rights debate um, based in the region. But there has been a new bid from uh, a new group, Belagraph Nova Group, who are founded from Singaporean backers, uh, but they're based in Paris, I believe, and they have apparently enlisted the help of Alan Shearer and Michael Chopper, former Newcastle strikers, in the bid. I don't know exactly what role they will play, their bid has, a, has been reported at 260 million, so uh, 280 million, sorry. So well below what the public investment fund were bidding. I very much doubt Mike Ashley, being the um, rather greedy fellow that he is, will accept that bid. Um, and one last thing, Wigan Athletic, they were, they were relegated with a 12-point deduction after they entered administration. And it has since come out that... I Young YK, the owner who took over, the day before he declared to the um, the EFL that he was their owner, had already contacted an insolvency firm with a view to placing the club that he hadn't already taken over yet into administration. So if that isn't grounds enough to... I mean, the appeal was rejected um, two weeks ago, but if that isn't grounds to at least... Cons- I don't know what the legal process is. Perhaps you sort of can offer some some insights into that but that evidence is fairly damning and if that is not grounds enough to 
look at. I don't know what it's. I mean, the situation with uh, Alexei Muratchki is on fire as always. Terrific player, but I kind of disagree with you. I think there's lots of clubs sniffing around him, but I don't see him going to a top club. He's not quite good enough for top five in Spain, Italy, or even in England. He could go to Germany, a decent club in Germany, mid mid level. He is a very good player, but. I, I, I think I think for him to survive in the top five, I probably agree with you, but I think the hype around him, he's got to go right now, or yeah. he probably won't get a top five club. Yeah. I, I, five. yeah I, I don't see I don't see him leaving before the end of this transfer window, but I do see him going if they don't make it out of the Champions League group stage this year, he'll go in January. That's a they'll let him go. Right. We are uh, staying in Russia. We're moving to Moscow to Derek Derek. A world record yeah. for over a decade and a half. A Ugandan yeah, yeah. Joshua Cheptegi absolutely battered it a couple of days ago in the Diamond League race in Monaco. Actually, it's, it's, it's longer than a decade and a half, 16 years. Ah, 16. Okay. Oh, just numbers. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay. Okay, so Joshua Cheptegi, a uh, Ugandan uh, athlete, came back with a ban after almost a year. He, he lost competed in uh, competitive athletics in September last year in Doha. Yesterday, oh, the other day, in Monaco, he beat a world record, a 16-year-old record that was... Uh, Bikeli, Kenanisi Bikeli. Bikeli, from, from Ethiopia. He, he beat the record and, I mean, I think he's going to beat more records because he's only 23 years old. I hope he's not uh, investigated for doping in future. <laughs> <laughs> because for running so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, and also, the other news I have is uh, African African legend, African uh, Obi Mikel, is back in England. He's signed for Stoke City. Uh, I don't know, maybe just wanted to come back to England, but he's an old, he's an old man. Uganda. Now, uh, yeah. of course, Chetegi, he's based in Europe. He's trained in Europe. Yeah, so yeah. What What do you think about you know the, the situation? You did mention drugs, but. Uganda, can you tell us, like, I mean, what, what's, you know, what about sports well, in Uganda from, from your knowledge? I, I, I think Uganda, let me just say, Uganda, Kenya, all those countries in that region, I think they're all athletes. They're all athletes, they're all, they're all so good at running and they, they all have, they all, they all have similar type of bodies. So I think they're all athletes, you know. There's no, there's no big difference between Ugandans and Kenyans. Why are, what's, is it the, the body type or why, why are Zambians... Not as good. No, they're smaller and taller. <laughs> what? Hold on. You're smaller, smaller and, and taller. taller. And taller. So they run faster. I mean, Zambians are shorter and fatter. So I don't think they're shorter. <laughs> so Zambians are shorter and fatter. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, those guys are, are lighter. So when, when they're running, the wind helps them move faster. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thank God. I thank God that, that that is not one of us saying that. I thank God that that's a Zambian saying that. Oh, hang on a minute. Sorry, just one second. One second, Derek. Chisamba Lungu is not fat. I've just got to say that. He is not. He's short, but he's not fat. He is quick. Uh, I don't know. They're just the special ones like Messi. They're, they're very rare. <laughs> oh, Derek, thank you for that. I have to uh, we have the first of the Champions League semi-finals, of course, next on Wednesday. And then the final is on next Sunday. Lots of questions around the clubs that are taking part, um, except for Lyon, or maybe not. Uh, each of our... Uh, uh, Alex B has just 
dropped out for a moment. He'll be coming back with his take on soccer. First, I'm going to go back to Andrew Flint. So last in, first up. Andrew, um, which team have you chosen to give us a few words on? Because uh, we were, we're running low on time, but I want to hear your, what your take on. So you've got 30 seconds for your team. Well, I just have a, a little look at RB Leipzig, Rasenball Sport Leipzig. I honestly think they are one of the most fascinating clubs, and this is why people should be following them and should be interested in their in their performance. They've only started up what eleven years ago, and a lot of people are furious with the way they've gone about it in German football. The fifty plus one rule that's supposed to deny one corporation dominating a club. We all know that Red Bull fund them endlessly, but. And I will say a big but, their youth development is virtually second to none. Now, you can, you can try and pick holes in the way they built their club up. But in the end, they have developed a huge amount of youth. Erling Haaland plucked from the Norwegian leagues into the Red Bull system at Red Bull Salzburg, has then gone on to Borussia Dortmund. Now, I know that's not even Red Bull Leipzig, but the Red Bull Empire, for me, there is... Every club has a dark side to it, but Red Bull Leipzig, sorry, Rasenball Sport Leipzig, they have one of the best young coaches, the youngest coach ever to get to the Champions semi-final than Julian Nagelsmann. They play unbelievable football, and for me, I think they are favourites to beat PSG. Okay, before, before I'm going to come back to you, I'm going to ask you to look up Burnt Pansold, okay? Burnt Pansold, just look it up, Andrew, and I'm going to ask you that question at the very, very end. Okay, um, Double N, who have you chosen, and tell us about them. Yeah, well, I should agree with uh, Andrew on his words just in his previous uh, speech, but except for one thing, I think they will beat Olympic Lyonnais in the finals. So I'm talking about Olympic Lyonnais. So they were founded 70 years ago, but uh, and their highest uh, success so far in Champions League is sem sem semi-finals. So they were stopped by Real Madrid back then, So and they lost to Bayern Munich other time. So they, they won Bordeaux. Last time they're like countrymates, so I think they will pass by PSG this time because, like, nobody expects them to win. Like it was the same like in uh, Manchester City. So I was I was going for them. They won, and I think they will be beaten by, unfortunately, by uh, Red Bull Leipzig in final. So okay. that's my prediction. All right, uh, Isol shaking her head. So Isol, I'm not going to go to you next. I'm going to go to Derek next. Leave yeah. the last. Derek, um, who have you had a look at? I had a look at Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, it's good. Leipzig came to the semi-finals, but I mean, Paris Saint Germain is a bigger club. They they they're the biggest French club, the most successful French club with over 40, 40 titles uh, across all competitions. They have Neymar, they have Mbappe, the world stars. I mean, I, I feel I personally feel. I mean, I would I would, I would love to see Leipzig maybe score a goal, but I think <laughs> Paris Saint Germain will have it easy, honestly. And then. But these guys, unfortunately, I don't know what happens in the final. So I'm not really seeing them win, but I hope they do. Because I think they really need to looking at how much they've spent as a club. Okay, Derek, thank you for that. Isolt, uh, as I said, saving the best for last. So uh, you have the final semi-finalist for us. I have listened to all their lunacy. I'm just going to point out that as far as I'm concerned, Bayern have already won the thing because their victory against Barca H2 has already led to Barca sacking their manager. What more do you want than to get rid of a man from his job as a result of your thrashing of their team? Not only that, but Bayern are a team, as Andrew has rightly pointed out, RP Leipzig, 
basically Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig, obviously the RB, are a bought-in team. Bayern is built on the community of the area. Former teams involved in the team members involved in the ownership. It is the only only club which has been in profit consecutively for over twenty years. Over twenty years, like. It's an A-star business. And not only that, they paid off their stadium early. These, like, if you want a prudent German team, they're the team to go for. And in all of this as well, there's just a nice model to how they've gone about things in comparison with some of the other teams. So I would happily like to see Bayern win, purely because I don't like any of the others. And they got rid of the Barca manager. Okay, um, I would I would also add that uh, Bayern Munich, the Allianz Arena, they turn it green for St Patrick's Day, which is also a big plus. Uh, part of the global community, so you have to like them for that. Um, I don't like it because when well when dealing with them when I was working in Germany, it was difficult sometimes. And of course, they have then the famous doctor healing hands. That's the only other thing I would say, but leave it at that. Right, ah. move on very, very quickly because I'm going to run around last one final uh, either or question to each person. So, um, David Silva or David Beckham? Who deserves a statue more? Well, David Beckham practically is a statue already. He's so good looking, so Beckham easily. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, double N. Um, which of the Central Asian nations do you hate the most? I love them all. <laughs> I love them all. <laughs> Don't believe you for a second. <laughs> okay, um, Derek, for you, yeah. uh, we know you hate Egypt. That's okay. That's 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 <laughs> oh, that yeah. one. Of the, those East African nations, the ones around you, which would you most like to beat in football? No, they all they, they all can play football. Yeah. Oh, they're useless. They're bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then that's all. Okay, that's that's all we need to know. Lisa, finally for you, um, club or county? I'm from Rossbury. I don't want to upset anyone by saying, but my club is an awful, awful club. We won the first ever club all, club all Ireland. Uh, that was the last time we were successful. So county. Okay. I'm not on the train of community. I'm all about the winning. Okay, folks, we're back. We're going to be back on Friday. We're going to record because we're going to look ahead, especially at the podcast. <laughs>